Welcome to Making Art Work, produced by the Arts Administration Program at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York. I'm Travis Newton, your host and director of the program. Today's guest is Neva Pilgrim, a founding member and program advisor for the Society for New Music, which is based here in Syracuse, New York. Founded in 1971, the Society champions new works through its robust commissioning activities, bringing new music to a broad audience through performances, broadcasts, and cable television. Society is often featured on syndicated programs, including American Public Media's Performance Today, and the roster of composers who have been commissioned by the organization include such artists as Stephen Stuckey, Augusta Reed Thomas, and Melinda Wagner, to name just a few. The Society for New Music has racked up a slew of awards in its 43 years of presenting new music, including multiple ASCAP Chamber Music America programming awards, as well as having been a recipient of the New York State Governor's Arts Award in 2001. That's correct. Though she is modest about her role within the organization, Neva Pilgrim is really the catalyst-in-chief for much of the Society's activities. Also an experienced performer, she's a soprano and educator, the New York Times has credited Neva as, quote, always a resourceful and imaginative program builder. In any given week, Neva can be found organizing concerts, writing grants, which, by the way, she does very well, leading an all-volunteer staff, or hosting Fresh Ink on WCNY Classic FM. She's a busy lady. That's correct. (laughs) Neva Pilgrim, welcome to Lemoyne College and Making Art Work. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I wonder if you could start out, because you've really been involved with Society for New Music since its origins. Where did the idea come from, and how did you get it going? Well, uh, we had just moved here, and uh, Ralph DeMello was new here working on his doctorate, and I'd known him at Yale, and uh, Greg Levin, who had finished his doctorate at uh, New England Conservatory, I believe, working with Gunther Schuller, had come here to teach at SU, and of course, being all newbies with, you know, new babies on the way, or new babies, Uh uh, we all got together and said, you know, there has to be more action in Syracuse, having come from Chicago, Boston, you know, where there is a lot happening. Sure. So we said, well, if it's going to happen, then we should make it happen. You know, very idealistic, not knowing all that it <laughs> took. But that's okay. Uh, so then we said, um, you know, Louis Krasner's here. Uh, he started Friends of Chamber Music as a new music group. Maybe he would be offended. So we got together with Louis. And he said, oh, no, 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 not at all. He said, you have to do it. So uh, he was very supportive. That's great. A- and uh, so we got a concert going. I think we did something that spring, and then we got a program going in the fall. And those were the days when New York State was very supportive of the arts. Uh, You didn't have to wait three years to get a grant, so Mm -hmm. we wrote a grant to the New York State Arts Council, and they funded it. And we only started with, you know, modest five concerts, and uh, the rest is history. The, you, you got it. So, <laughs> but I mean, I don't. I don't think if we had had not if we hadn't had that initial uh, support from NISCA, it might not have uh, taken flight. But we could because we kept doing good things. We could rely on that, and then we gradually started getting national endowment grants and other grants. So, well, you have a, a long history of successfully writing grants. As I mentioned, you're you've become very good at it, and I wonder. You know, because arts organizations now are so dependent on lots of different streams of revenue, including mm-hmm. grants and including individual donations, but focusing on grant writing, what advice would you give to students who are now studying grant writing and, and really trying to wrap their brains around how it works? 
What what advice would you give them that you've sort of gleaned over your years of, of going through these different processes? I think you have to have a you have to know what you're going in there to ask for. Uh, you have to keep it uh, true to your mission. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, and this has been an experience on. I've had being on boards of other organizations, they'll go to a foundation for a grant just because they know getting grants there is pretty easy, but that takes them away from their mission, right? And um, then they lose their center. I think it's much better to, you know, stay with your mission, not that you can't branch out. I mean, for instance, we always, from the very beginning, did new music for young audiences, right? But that was more our performers performing for young audiences and, and trying to make it fun, you know, with a little bit of theater mixed in mm-hmm. uh, and having special little children's operas written that we would do and took took into the schools. But then gradually that evolved into having composers in the schools, and that was Billy Burdick's idea we should do that. She was our education coordinator then. Uh, that the students in the public schools, they learn how to paint, right? They learn how to write poetry or, or short stories or whatever, uh, but they don't learn how to how music is put together. Right. So we thought, okay, that's what we need to do. So th- that helped us go in that direction. So every year we have composers in residence in the schools, often in the elementary schools, but sometimes in the middle and high schools. And that's been wonderful. I mean, we do, they can compose in any style. We've had somebody who made his career as a rap artist who went through uh, the Danforth, not Danforth, that was Salem Hyde program, for example, with Sally Lamb, I think it was, who then went on herself. She was a young composer at the time at Cornell and went on to win all kinds of awards for her music, but she helped mentor those students. So it, that's worked out really well. That must be really um, very rewarding for the not only the composers in residence, but you know the students who are able to interact with these composers. What does that look like when you you know when you send a, a composer into a school? What kinds of interactions do they have with these students? Well, we try to work this out with the music teacher, right, with the principal, so it's a, a, the school is behind it. Uh, of course, whoever our education coordinator is tries to mentor them. So, because young composers, they might come in and try to do too many things, and you say, "No, no, no. We're here to focus on you know what's a melody, help create a melody. Uh, what kind of rhythm would you like as a class?" And they sure. come up with all kinds of rhythms, so they get the idea that all the music they hear doesn't come through their earphones. They can create it, right? Sometimes schools have had students write. Uh, haiku or uh, poems, and then they, the class votes on which poem or haiku or haiku, if it depends, sometimes they set more than one, sure. that they're going to set, and then they try to choose music that would fit that text. And then so it really help. becomes interdisciplinary. It's very much so. That's right. And that they're being really creative. And here, okay, here's a problem. How do we solve this problem? So it's quite wonderful. And then, of course, it's up to the composer to uh, orchestrate that for whatever the little band or, or instruments that are there. And if sometimes it has chorus with the instruments. And sometimes we bring in ringers, our professionals, to help. Um, so it, it, it's, I would say, tailor-made for every school. You mentioned um, the ringers that you bring in. So that's a term, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, that we use in the in the music industry to describe uh, professional musicians who can come in and basically sight-read anything, just sort of lay it down without, without too much um, preparation. And so you do a lot of of hiring musicians here in the area as artists in your various concerts. In fact, um, you know, you're one of the, one of the largest, 
supporters of, of live musicians and of live music here in the area. Do you see the society as fulfilling that role, or is that something that you do? Um, in other words, is that central to your mission, or is, is that something that comes out of um, your core mission? Well, our, our core mission is to encourage regional composers to compose music, and, and th- then they need performances. You know, uh, an artist can walk into a gallery and say, I'd like to have a, an exhibit. Oh, okay, well, that can be arranged six months or a year from now. Uh, Composers don't have that luxury, right? Sure. So, um, I I think of the society as an artist collective, actually. Uh, that we are, the performers, composers, all work together, right? So, uh, say we commission, and we do commission a regional composer every year, and there have been some really terrific ones, as you mentioned. Chris Rouse was another one we first performed as a graduate student at mm-hmm. Cornell then kept performing and then commissioned and then he won the Pulitzer Prize. So actually four of our composers have won Pulitzer Prizes, which is not a bad track record not for a bad statistic. regional yeah. arts organization. So, uh, But whoever we commission, then they, because they've worked with these performers, right, on other concerts, sure. they say, well, I think I'll write this piece for these instruments, right? Mm-hmm. And then they get to premiere it and, and then we try to arrange uh, through colleges and universities because they want to have new music after all. Mm-hmm. They want to be on the cutting edge. Um, they get repeated, and then every so many years we record uh, commissioned works. So we have a five-CD set of 29 commissioned composers. We have another one of seven. We're working on another one. Um, I mean, that's something we try to do to keep it going, not just for the composers but for the performers. Absolutely. And and you also partner every year with the Syracuse International Film Festival yes. in their commissioning of a new that's right. score to that's accompany correct. a silent film. That's correct, and that's that's been a wonderful collaboration working with actually Lemoyne College, the film program here, and um, Syracuse International Film Festival. We talk about what film uh, they're the film experts, and then we talk about which composer might work for that, and we try to trade it. Oh, they have an idea, and next year we have an idea. And then we try to find the right performers for it. And it's always a huge success. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, speaking of the society as as an organization, I wonder if you could talk about some of the challenges that you have um, operating in today's economic environment, shall we say, um, with limited resources. Obviously, the uh, you're, you're all volunteer in terms that's of the correct. staff, and you, you pay the musicians and, and composers. That's really the majority of your that's where expense. It goes. That's exactly is, right. Is to the artists. There's, and, or, there's literally or, hardly any overhead. Right? Well, except we do have to rent certain facilities. Sure. I mean, there are those, and we have to rent music, and yes. But right. you're right. It's commissioning and artist fees. Uh, so it's a very efficient operation, but I wonder... Um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you encounter in, you know, over the the last 43 years of existence of this organization that, that you've had to overcome? Well, it's it's a little different every year, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on the political climate. And uh, I, But I would say in general, it's trying to get the word out to people. I think a lot of people... Uh, and. And I think Fresh Ink maybe has changed that a little bit. They think they know what new music is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something they heard that was from early in the 20th century or something they heard when they were in college a zillion years ago. And that's new music. But that's not new music. I mean, as in any field, it's changing all the time. I mean, if you heard 
a piece that was really popular 25 years ago and you heard it today, you may or may not like it, right? Sure. That's perfectly okay. Sometimes a piece has to be around for 50 years before it becomes a, a resounding success. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's trying to get people to be open-minded when they come to a concert. And, um, of course, no two pieces on any concert are going to sound the same. Sure. They may love one thing and not like something else. That's okay. When you go to a movie, you don't like everything about it. You read an, <laughs> a book by a very famous writer. You may not like that book. You may have loved the other book of his that or hers sure. that you read. So I think it's getting people to come, pay this very modest admission fee, although some are also free, um, just to open their ears and eyes, because some have video, uh, some have other elements. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do new music with dance, for example. People seem to relate to that very well, because they're both looking and listening, and I think that gives them a little window into how they might listen. How they Um, might interpret. That's Mm -hmm. that's exactly right. So I would say it's, but it's partly getting, uh, because we don't have a big budget, getting the PR out, right, to reach uh, a large audience, although we we do pretty well. And I think also because Fresh Ink is done very well, that it's helped open people's eyes and ears. I mean, people who come to, like Stefan, who came to play with the Symphoria, Sure. Was amazed that there was a new music program in Sir and a new music group that's been around this long. I mean, he because he loves new music, of course, and he couldn't believe it happened in Syracuse. And you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the oldest new music organization outside of Manhattan in New York's in New York State. That's right, and I think there are only maybe one, maybe two in New York State that are older than we are. Mm -hmm. That's one of the very oldest in the country. That's correct. So we talked a lot about uh, collaboration, both with the film festival, with um, schools, you know, with artists. Right. Why is collaboration so critical in the arts? Well, I think because when you're creating things, no one person has all the good ideas. And by... Uh, collaborating with others, they come with their ideas, and that inspires other ideas. And that also gives you then resources that you wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, last year we did a collaboration with the Syracuse Vocal Ensemble. Um, We did a big piece. It was big for for both organizations. Mm -hmm. But together we did it, and it came off wonderfully. I mean, we packed the house both places we did it, and people just loved it. So, But that was something we took a chance on. Um, Of course, always writing a grant for another special effort. We did the same with the Purchase of Manhattan that we did last year, the premiere of Brent Michael David's uh, trying to set straight the story of the actual purchase that wasn't a purchase (laughs) to set the history book straight. And and there again, we we had to write a grant. We had to collaborate. We love collaborations because then much more happens. And actually, that work has been revised and expanded, and it's being done in New York on November 20th at Marble Collegiate Church, almost the exact site that that, quote, purchase took place. And the the admission for that concert is $24, I want you to know. (laughs) And actually... (laughs) Most of the orchestra are, are musicians who are going down to for this now expanded, revised uh, premiere, and they're making a big deal out of it. The PR firm that Bill de Blasio uh, hired when he got elected mayor, they're helping to publicize this, so it's going to be quite something. And it's all being uh, – has been instigated and sort of 
catalyzed by Society for New Music. That's right. Which and is our, wonderful. And our collaborators here, that's right. That was done in collaboration with Syracuse Symposium and, and SU Arts Engage and uh, the uh, Latino community here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I've learned a lot today. Um, our time is up, but I want to thank you so much, Neva, for being here and sharing all of this interesting information with us about Society for New Music. You're very welcome, and I hope people will take the chance to come and Absolutely. be amazed at what Check happens. Check it out. Societyfornewmusic.org, is that correct? That's for the right. website? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so everyone visit there. And thanks again, Neva, for being here. Making Art Work is produced by the Arts Administration Program at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York, with support provided by the Department of Communication and Film Studies and WLMU Radio, as well as our broadcast partner, WCNY Classic FM. Our theme song was written by Lemoyne College music faculty member and a member of the board of directors yes. of Society for <laughs> New Music, Edward Rahowski, and performed by the Bang on a Can All-Stars, who have also been involved with Society yes. for New Music. For more information about arts administration at Lemoyne, visit lemoyne.edu slash artsadmin or follow us on Twitter at LMCArtsADMN. I'm your host, Travis Newton, hoping you'll join us again next time on Making Art Work.